0: From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message.
1: Each week, we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. And I'm Evan Eerwicker. And as usual, Pastor Steve Mickle with Back us. Back again. Back with us again. And as yeah. become, usual. Congratulations to you.
0: Just going to have you with us so much. I love it. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Are you getting tired of preaching yet?
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow, really. You had to, yeah, you had to ask me that, didn't yeah. you, Ben?
2: Yeah. All right. so the next two weekends I have off, uh it's Bo and then Ken Johnson, the former lead pastor. Okay. And I'm really looking forward, yeah, just to that time. I'm actually speaking next weekend at Portland Four Square, which is Greg Rustinger's church. Oh, you are? And yeah, so that'll be that'll be cool.
1: Yeah, great. Uh and this morning you are taking us kind of towards the end of the Lord's Prayer. We talked about uh forgive us our debtors as we forgive those
2: indebted to us, as yeah. one translation says. Well said, David. Well said. <laughs> what was the what translation did you use this morning? We're using King James. Uh, new, new, no, King James. We're using the like right. the old school, you know, kind of. We decided to go that route, and uh, yeah. So forgive us our debts as we forgive. That's the translation our that
0: has uh, for years of the kingdom and the power and the glory. For yeah, th-
2: and most of the translations have taken that out because it's. And Bo, we'll talk about this next week, but it's uh, not in the oldest manuscripts. That last okay. little addendum. Um, but we we're we're going for it. So there's a rogue scribe in there somewhere there's, yeah, I exactly just tapped it on yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, after your first message this morning at 8.15, I noticed quite a few changes in stories you used and talk us through how much is kind of wet clay even through that first service. Yeah.
2: Well, now that we don't have Saturday night, Saturday night used to be kind of a, that place where I just, you know, there'd be a story I tell or the flow, the, you know, the, just all the connecting points. I'd kind of get to say it, speak it live in front of an audience for the first time. And I realized, you know, that there are some things that just didn't work, didn't flow very well. And I always feel kind of bad for that service in and, and one ways because whatever the first one is yeah, yeah, whichever the first one is. And so at 8:15 um just didn't feel good about it I and mean, it was like it was kind of choppy. I was reading my notes more than I uh, usually do. And so, yeah, I went back to my office between services and just kind of prayerfully thought about a couple stories, uh, uh, personal stories, and cut out a couple other things, added those, and it just flowed so much better. Yeah.
1: yeah. And does anyone give you feedback that kind of spurred any of those changes, or was that just you today? Um,
2: this Just me today, but a lot of times I do get feedback from the team. Um, it's actually harder now. Saturday night was a little easier because you know they mm-hmm. knew I had time to sleep on it, a little more time. No, nobody's going to bother a speaker in between a service yeah. to say oh you got to change this unless it's like Speaks really up. really bad yeah <laughs> and so it was it was all, all me on the changes but yeah, and God I actually think God's involved in all of this <laughs> yeah is it part <laughs> of your, more
0: than I think is it part of your strategy to maybe have a story where you go okay well <laughs> if I'm feeling it I'm going to share this story and yeah. if not maybe I'll wrap it up because there was a time uh, in the 945 service today where you said well I was thinking about sharing this story what is that based on how you're feeling at the time how the how the audience is accepting the yeah, message it's how,
2: especially at the end Ben it's kind of how how do I want this service to end because you know we don't do worship music after we it's, it's like I pray see you later kind of moment yeah. so I it's really I hate ending a service down I hate ending a service heavy and I knew that the story I was going to share was heavy yeah. and uh, and so that's what i was debating in my head is should i should i uh, share it or not and decided to and and i think it worked you know it was heavy
0: <laughs> yeah as i knew it would be i don't be. know if that's always necessarily a bad thing i i've been kind of brought up and i teach the way of the real inspirational moment at the end uh and that's just kind of naturally where i've always gone but over especially over the last year we've dealt with a lot of heavy topics and a lot of the end of sermons or the end of sundays have been like Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it it makes people thoughtful. I I don't know if we want to do that every single time, obviously, and we don't do that. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to change it up like that or to send people away with, with a little bit of the... The, the
2: heaviness. I don't know if heavy yeah. is bad. Yeah, I, know, I agree, Ben. And I think that one of the advantages of the way we do it is we have mul- um, multiplicity of, of voices. And we are all so different in terms of how we end, how we start, you know. Um, and so uh, if it was me all the time, Somebody would need to say, Steve, like bring it up, like <laughs> tell a joke at the end or something, because <laughs> my my default is for sure on the heavy side. Really, um, yeah, oh yeah, It always has been. Even before Chase died, okay, you know, I was I was a little heavier, and so I think it's uh, it's it's good to have other voices that maybe you know they end up they end really inspirational, motivational, you know, not just um, you know thoughtful and reflective and you know where I kind of tend to tend to go.
1: I wonder if not having keyboards playing at the end helps. To if you're going to end thoughtful, it's on purpose and
2: not just because the music takes us there yeah, <laughs> regardless. Yeah. I love that we don't do that anymore. And I think um, and, um, and I didn't mind it before. I mean, it, I mean, a bad message turns good. You know, you start playing E minor. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. It's like, oh, man, I feel really we're good about <laughs> Jesus right now. I'm not connected to him. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad we're not. It's not forced emotionalism. And not that playing music in the background forces that, but if God's moving, he's moving, and you don't need you know, um, the music behind you to, to allow him to just do what he wants
0: we were talking about forgiveness today we were talking about repentance today uh just talk about what this is like for you what goes through your mind when you're approaching this subject what's the most important thing someone needs to take away from your discussion well, today well
2: we didn't get to Matthew 18 in the message i decided to cut that it's a long story um there's a lot to it jesus told this story about a king and i think i i think i went through it in one service um decided just to add it i think in the last service and um and it's a heavy story that jesus connects our ability or inability to forgive others um, with his ability to forgive us. It's almost, he's, he's actually saying, if you don't forgive, those that have received forgiveness, if you don't forgive someone else, you have no part of me. I mean, that... I mean, it's pretty heavy stuff. And I, and I just think that, that we've kind of put forgiveness on the back burner a little bit in Christianity, maybe because we went too far with it before. And it's, but it's so important. And, and it's, I mean, I really don't, I really believe that if we can't forgive those who hurt us, um, man, are we really living in the kind of relationship with Jesus, um, that he wants in the message you talked about,
1: um, Uh, the woman that spoke at GLS who was in the, as a girl um, in Rwanda um, and targeted, her whole family was targeted by the, um, the Hutus or the Tutsis? The Hutus, Hutus. I think is what she said. Yeah. And, uh, and she survived it, but her family did not. And kind of the uh, journey of forgiveness she had to process over years. What was interesting, this is a little heavy, but during, um, while we're having church, of course, this morning in Texas, yeah. a gunman opened fire in uh, Texas at a small country church and killed 26 people. Yeah, I
2: didn't hear about that until I was on the way home right. after our, our third service.
1: Uh, and it's it's striking because uh, you know we can talk about forgiveness, um, but then when it happens in real time, these horrific tragedies where someone is to blame. Yeah. I think through that, and in theory. I can be like, yeah, I need to forgive more. I could do that. Mm -hmm. And then I think about putting myself in that church this morning, or when I think about like Sandy Hook where they, you know, um, and open fire on kids, I think I could, I couldn't do that. I can't forgive. And
2: I think we have to be careful in the church um, that we don't flippantly say you got to forgive, you know, because I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think, I think this is, you know, I think when, when Chase died and I I did a message um, earlier this year about that, I said I, that there's some things you have to whisper. Um, I think it's a quote from Brennan Manning in Ruthless Trust where until you've drank the dregs of pain mm-hmm. that someone else has drank, dare not whisper, you know, the, the things of, all, of Almighty. It's mm-hmm. just a, it's like so powerful. And I just think and wow. I've never been a part. I've never, I've never been on the other side or on any side of mass tragedy like that. So I haven't. I can't, you just can't run into there and go, well, you're gonna have to, need, you're gonna need to forgive the shooter. Yeah. You know, I mean, let Jesus do that, the one who took our pain on the cross and was murdered for us. He can, you know, he can, you can point to his teachings, but boy, we gotta be careful. Just say, hey, you gotta forgive, you gotta forgive, because this is deep stuff. I mean, forgiving your enemies as Jesus taught us is not for the faint of heart.
0: And it's an interesting tension that we live in today, especially a lot of discussion is about social justice. I mean, the word is right in there, justice. I want justice. I want social justice. I want i want this involved in our society. And then the Christian has to come back around if we're really trying to live it like Jesus and find out where forgiveness fits in that big puzzle. Because we want people to be treated well. We want to love people. We want people to be treated equally and we want to forgive those who have sinned against us, as Jesus forgave ours.
2: Justice—that's a, a really interesting word, Ben. Because justice, most of the time for us, means some kind of recompense, some kind of restitution is made. You know, you see people who—who who the the person that killed their child is in court and is found guilty, and and the and the family walks out and they say we have justice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we want that. And so is forgiveness and justice, are they two different things? And this is really a question. I mean, I'm just like, I mean, are they, are they opposite? I mean, if, if God was just towards us, I don't think he would send his son to die for us. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's a pretty, I mean, that's (laughs) something for everybody to think about, I guess, in this podcast. And I'm not trying to make the idea that they're opposite. I'm just saying that
0: they sit together somehow. And I'm not sure how they sit together in every single situation because I'm with Evan. If someone did that to my kid, uh, someone that did it to my spouse, I do not know if I could forgive them. And again, I I, I have no idea having never gone through it, but I I find it hard to believe that that could exist in me right now in that specific circumstance. But really, we're making this... We're drawing this conclusion that Jesus, in fact, did this, that he was beaten and bloodied on the cross, that he did do this, and everybody looked at him and they cheered when he died. And there were very few that were crying. Um, This is what he did. He looked at this in the face and did not just ask for some kind of justice, but he asked instead to forgive them. They don't know what they do.
2: Yeah, and I think his forgiveness is always extended and yeah we don't partake of it unless we confess unless we actually acknowledge our own brokenness and separation and so there's something there to that as well but i guess you know i want to i want i want to try to keep leaning into this idea that i need to forgive first and and not wait until someone does confess someone does say they're sorry But like you said, man, I'm never. I mean, I don't know what I would do or what I would say to someone that hurt someone I loved, and what would that look like? And I, but I look at Immaculate and her story, and that's why I used it because when I heard it at GLS at the Global Leadership Summit, I was so overwhelmed by the reality that she was able to get to that place where she could forgive the people, the very people who killed, almost wiped out her entire family dang, that's, that's, that's amazing forgiveness, you know? And, and I don't know if I would do that right now. I don't know if I would be in that same boat.
1: I like the kind of the picture I got when you're talking about forgiving others and being forgiven as something that we participate in. And so that Jesus is almost presenting it as either your inside or your outside of forgiveness. And you can't be half in. You can't just receive and not extend. I almost think of like, you know, you're wading into a pool and you can't stay half dry. You know, you're either in or you're out of this uh, thing of forgiveness and uh, not something that uh, we easily do because we want to um, present ourselves as forgivable by Christ. You know, we talk about how great his forgiveness is. Uh, but then we hold other people to a whole different standard of what is deserving of forgiveness. Yeah,
2: it's a high bar, Evan. I mean, as I studied it for this message, as I was studying for it, I realized this is one of the hardest teachings of Jesus. It really is, and I think, and I don't even know if the first church got it as you know until he died. And then, and then I think they got it. And then I think they really understood it. But before that, I think, I, I mean, you don't see much reaction from people. Mm. I mean, Peter asked a couple of questions here and there, but it really wasn't, you know, until he died, um, they didn't understand fully the kind of forgiveness he was he was teaching.
1: And even you reference Paul's writings, and Paul is a great example of someone that the church embraced after he
2: spent uh, a lot of his time killing um, yep. the leaders of yep. their movement. Yep. Exactly. And that, and they had to walk out the teachings of Jesus. And we even see that it was hard for them. Paul needed an advocate, hmm. you know, um, for him, uh, to bring Paul back into the community of faith. He needed an advocate who had forgiven Paul for what he had done. And it was hard for the, for the first apostles to do that, especially Peter, I think. I think it was, it was especially hard yeah. for Peter to have fully embrace Paul after all he had done against the church. Yeah.
0: So this whole thing started, the whole sermon series started with approaching the father and all this is done in the context of approaching the father. And so yeah. every time that you go to speak, I've been trying to put it in the context of me going to my dad, you know, my, my physical dad, even on earth and, and what that's like and what I've learned through all these things and how I've approached my dad. And I remember one thing when I came to dad to apologize, he taught me how to apologize and there were rules yeah. um, <laughs> is that you are, is that you always say, sorry. You don't say I apologize. You never say I'm sorry if you were offended. Again, you are not. You are not truly contrite and repenting. <laughs> and he said, "You don't talk about what you've lost in the middle of all of that." Wow. Well, I'm really sorry that this happened, but I want you to know that I've lost friends through this, and you know, and now I understand that you don't talk about what you lost. You don't say I'm sorry if you feel. And uh, what was the other one that I said? <laughs> and
2: you say I'm sorry. Not and you apologize. say I'm sorry.
0: Not apologize. Does that relate in any way to to how we're doing
2: this kind of repentance thing with God? It's as really really about? good. I mean, this can conf- that's confession. And what true confession is is not you know it's not like making excuses and or trying to we like we do t- and spouses do this a lot. I think about Susanna. I mean, we do that. We used to do this all the time. We're getting better <laughs> about it, but we used to do it all the time. Where we would we would knew we did something wrong, but but we would bring something else that they had done wrong yeah. at some other point while we're confessing. That's not confession. That's not, you know, and so I, and we try to make excuses or we, you know, we try to, you know, and this, I, this thing you said, Ben about if they, I'm sorry if you feel mm-hmm. it's like that you're all, now you're putting that back on them. Right. You're putting what you felt you did wrong back on them. They're the wrong ones. Right. And man, it's, I think we have to fully embrace our wrongness Our you know, that, okay, I did something bad. Yeah. yeah, Steve,
1: as a leader, what is this process of forgiveness for someone who does something wrong or sins, or, uh, it comes out maybe that they have, you know, been talking behind your back or, or there's, there's a point of confrontation. What's the role of forgiveness as their pastor
2: or their leader? And what's the role of correction? Yeah. You know, I think it's so so dependent, Evan, on what the the issue might be and how, how it came about and what's the, you know, and where's the person's heart at and all of it. But I, I, I would rather err on the side of grace and mercy and compassion than, um, well, you know, our policy says, you know, and, and I, I just think we have to be really careful. We are the first ones in the church to, to crucify our very members when they, when they step out of line. And I would rather, um, try to change that narrative if we can where it's let's let's have a conversation now there are people who just simply you know they have an agenda they're not they're they're not repentant they're not trying for relationship either it's like okay what do we i mean what do we do with with people like that i think that's a different story but for most people when they do something it's usually i don't there's very few people that do things evil on purpose i mean I mean, think about it. I mean, no, you know, you don't get up in the up one morning and go, well, "I'm going to make it really hard for so and so." We just don't. We just inadvertently yeah. end up saying things and doing things that we regret. And I think coming alongside those people and helping um, all of us to see, you know, where where we could have done something better, you know, why what happened happened. I mean, having conversation um, rather than just immediately, you know crucifying something.
1: And I think we're good at eating our own, even uh, especially when leaders um, fall. Yep, I think of some of the big, you know, in the news like Ted Haggard and some of these guys and how many of us, maybe we said, Oh, you know, we're praying for them and restoration, but really somewhere there's this kind of rooting for their failure to be Explosive, right. Yeah. For some reason, it's just like, oh, if they were acting that way, I hope they just get their stuff. Yeah, because we, right. we
2: feel like they have um, dishonored some kind of office. We feel like they have, you know, that that, that they should have been better than the rest of us, mm-hmm. as if the rest of us are somehow, you know, we, you know, everybody gets a pass for for doing evil except for pastors. Right. You know, or leaders in the church. Man, if they step out of line. We're throwing the book at them because they've been throwing the book at us, so to speak. I mean, I think that's how people feel. And I, and my heart goes out to any, any leader who has um, failed morally or um, has made some mistakes in their journey. Um, I'd love to see the church come alongside them. You know, sure. There's always consequences, right? There's always consequences. Can somebody continue to lead? Can somebody continue to pastor? Do they need to take a season away to get, you know, to get back with their family and get whole again? Yeah, sure. But, Let's not put them on – kick them to the curb and, you know, I hope – you know, I hope they find Jesus again someday. You know, mm. let's let's embody the love and forgiveness of Christ in the process, um, even with those in leadership that may have failed in some way or another. A
0: lot of it comes down to our, our own self-righteousness, in my opinion. When somebody else fails, I now I am very clearly, to everybody around that knows us, I am very clearly several rungs up above this person that just committed this right, right. kind of sin. And so now I feel better that I, I am acknowledged by all as the superior leader, the superior pastor, the superior in this network or, or group of yeah. people, which of course
1: just gets back to a lot of other issues. Well, and that puts us in the category of the Pharisees, as <laughs> exactly. opposed to the category of Jesus, who has a ministry yeah. of covering, ministry right. of yeah. grace. Which is yeah. why Jesus said,
0: and you forgive others as God has forgiven you in the first place. Yep. And so, but, but is it appropriate pastor to, to draw a line? I I, th- I always I often think of this when we talk about relationships and we especially we talk about marriage and we talk about the importance of commitment and you got to stay, you got to work this thing out and it's hard and you got to go back again and again and forgive again and again and again and again. And then you have a person that comes up to you after you preach that sermon and go, "Yeah, my husband's hitting me." Uh, and I'm going to go back to him and tell him I forgive him and I want to be like, "Dear God, don't go
2: home and do that, please." Yeah, no, there's a there's there's a line obviously Ben, and I and I, and that, that we have we haven't really clarified those lines all that well very often. And so, so there are, there are women, especially in abusive relationships that felt, they felt like they had to stay, mm. um, in those relationships because of these kinds of teachings. Because, oh, well, God says I gotta go the extra mile and I've gotta, you know, and, um, you know, get out, get out. And I, what I tell people, Ben, is I say, I tell people that are in, uh, situations of conflict relationally, don't do anything permanent, mm. but get out. Get some space. And see what God might do. Get some space. Don't do anything permanent. You know, don't go down and get papers right away or anything like that. But get, get some space because we need that. We need space. Relational conflict needs a little bit of room, uh, for people to breathe because if, if it's always like trying to fix something, trying to make it better, trying to make it work, all of this, there's no room there for growth. There's no room there for change. And so I'll often tell people to give, give it some space, um, especially if it's a physical issue. I mean, right. I get, I am really I'm actually really mad at the in in our society right now because I I mean I've been watching when I watch television I see the glorification or even the humor of you know of of men hitting women just it's kind of in jest like sure. some comedies and things like this I'm thinking what the heck? this is so wrong yeah. you know and so I think we have to we have to um really start hating some of this kind of stuff, um, as I think Jesus would. I think Jesus would be pretty ticked um, if there was uh, abuse like that and happening. I just during.
0: feel like sometimes people get caught up in, well, if I leave or if I get some space, now I'm hating this person because I want to do X. And I just, hopefully, if somebody out here is listening to this and this feels like your situation, that sets you free a little bit. Yeah, like, this is a yeah. Jesus thing to, to walk off and get space like
2: Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, there's it's not a question of whether you still love the person or, or, or if you want to be with them ever again. It's not about that. It's about creating space for safety, uh, for grace to actually come into a situation. So, yeah. So through this series, uh, I think
1: our hope is that people won't just have a better understanding of prayer, but that they'll be inspired and feel empowered to actually pray more Uh, because that's the point, right? Right. Uh, Do you think that's, uh, we're there yet? As far as, do you feel like people have this
2: sense of like, let's do this yet? Or is this something that's going to take a while? I think it'll take a while. I think we're further along than we were, Evan, but I think it will take a while. Um, And, uh, you know, six messages um, are great. I mean, I can't remember ever being in a church that did six messages on the Lord's Prayer. I mean, mean, that's a lot of time given to, to, to that, just that, you know, couple of verses, but I, I think it'll take some time, but I do see progress and I'm really happy about it. I mean, even like this morning when I took some time in the service to say, Hey, why don't you just think about it? Reflect? Is there anybody you need to forgive? And, and, uh, my wife, Susanna was like, um, initially was like, Oh no, I'm good. You know? But then she she said, Oh, well, I'll, you know, Steve's doing this in every service. I well, let me just take a second. And so she just got quiet and asked Jesus, is there anybody prayed? Yeah. And asked Jesus, is there anybody I need to forgive immediately? Like, It didn't even take us half a second. A a name came to our mind of something that somebody had done. Say, are we getting (laughs) the punch? There's the the (laughs) punchline. There it is, (laughs) and and it was great. And I think that's the power of prayer: is that we're slowing down, breathing, letting God speak, reconnecting with Him. And uh, man, what I mean, it's just we're running so fast. And I think what prayer does. I'm taking about ten to twenty minutes every morning now, um, and just sitting in the Lord's prayer and breathing and reflecting and listening. And I'm doing way less talking. It's been really great.
0: And if you haven't been going to West Side, we've basically created these two different cards. One of them is a praise card, one of them is a prayer card, and just making a bigger deal out of it. Now, praise and prayer cards aren't completely a brand new, innovative idea to the to church. We've been doing it forever, but we've been getting tons of response, and on both sides, praise and prayer. We're talking about the importance of praise so that we are motivated to continue to pray. Um, why, why do you think all this has been so successful? With well,
2: we cards? I mean, people, we get prayer needs all the time, Ben. I mean, every week people write in the on our car, connect cards before we were doing this kind of ministry was there's so many needs. Yeah. And Evan, you mentioned it today in services. There are so many needs that are out there. And in a church like ours that has a few people in it, it's like there's just so many. There's so much brokenness, you guys. And, and people want a voice to that. And I think – um and not only to God, but to each other. And I think this has given them a voice. And now doing the praise, we got it. you can't have one without the other. I'm convinced of it now. Yeah. You cannot have one without the other. It's It just gets depressing, and um, you start thinking life is really bad all the time. And so to have both of these, prayer and praise, and you can see, okay, hmm. life – Life sucks sometimes, but man, God is still moving, and that just like encourages your soul and makes you. And for me, at least, it's like I'm going to pray all the more, man. If if God's doing, like you said, Evan, this morning, if God can do for one, He can do for anyone. Yeah, and why not stand in the gap and pray those prayers and just see what God does? And I'm not worried. You know, I think we stop praying in the church because we well, what if God doesn't? Right. That brings up all kinds of other theological questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm past that. I'm like, I'm not right. going to spend any more time thinking about why God does some things and why he doesn't do things. I, I mean, it's way above my pay grade. I'm just going to focus in that I know God can. Yeah. And why not, why not stand in the gap and keep praying yeah, and kidding. leave the results up to him? Right.
1: And that's the heart of the people that crawled and carried their friends and pushed through the crowds to get to Jesus. They didn't know the result. They didn't know the outcome, but they knew. If I don't, I know what the outcome is. If I don't pray, if I don't seek God on this, I can, you know, the doctor has told me what the outcome is. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to get there. I'm going to ask. Why not? Yeah.
0: And it's huge to hold them both in your hands. I would encourage anybody, you know, we get to hold the practical prayer and praise cards in our hands, but try to find that in your own life. Where can you hold praise in one hand and hold prayer in the other? You referenced this morning, there's people in this prayer card pile that are needing praise. Of, you know, there are relationships to be fixed and addictions to be broken. And in my other hand, I have addictions that have been broken and relationships yeah. that have been fixed.
1: And it's huge perspective yeah. to sit so there and okay. hold both things. And there was even a woman um, I noticed in both piles yeah. for the same thing. Same and I thing. loved that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. She's praying, she's believing, but she's also praising God for where she's at. And yeah. I thought, isn't that the heart that comes out of this? Yeah. You and
2: know? I would say one more thing, you guys, about forgiveness is that I, what I see with most people across the board is we make excuses. We have a lot of good reasons and I would say they're good reasons to not forgive and let this, let this and what Jesus is, let this message and let what Jesus has taught in the, you know, about forgiveness to seep into our souls and see if it might change the way that we think about the wrongs done to us, the hurts that have been done to us and see what that might do. Um, help making our society better. Yeah, that's good.
1: Well, next week we'll be finishing up um, our series on prayer. And Pastor Bo Stern is going to be here discussing uh, the final message on, um, what is it? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Uh, We'll be here to talk about that next week. In the meantime, you can check out Steve's message at westsidechurch.org.